what kind of leader you are is where it starts, right? Because your team are going to look up to you and that's where culture is cultivated as well. Understanding that, you know, your team are your people and they're here to learn. They want to they want to learn. They want to do cool, good work. Mm -hmm. And they also want to have fun. Right. Having that element of personable, being empathetic, you know, when something goes on in their personal life. Understand that they're not going to reply to your Slack message every second. Having that empathy and being really transparent on the other side of it and what you expect, because that's what grows the trust. I always try and encourage the managers to give honest feedback, be transparent with your direct reports, but have that fun element. And I think that's really what Tribal Scale is about and showing that you care, show that we're here to do good work. Mm -hmm. We're a group of passionate, smart people. We're hungry. Bringing that to what they do in their work for Tribal Scale too. And just having fun while doing really good stuff, you know? So Nicola Watson. Yes. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much. Um this a little bit of background on this series. So we're we're kind of in studio here at Startwell for our gathering series. Mm -hmm. Gathering is something that we set up as a content series that's live events. So a mixture of kind of a ten pole conference once a year. Um and then monthly socials that we just kicked off last week and these podcasts. And Fabulous. Yeah, the goal is to have conversations with people who support teams to unveil the nature of your work in this changing, kind of rapidly changing environment of how people are working. Mm -hmm. And hopefully knowledge share so that, you know, our audience, uh, which are the same group of people as who we're having on the show and in the series, can kind of learn from each other. Amazing. Yeah. I'm excited. Wicked. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you're with a company called Tribal Scale. I am. And how, um, I guess, let's break it down. What does Tribal Scale do? Okay. I know I know the like foundation story a little bit. Okay. But I haven't caught up with Tribal Scale in with a few With the years. latest. Yeah. Well, I will give you the latest goss on what we do and everything that we're trying to do. So essentially, we are a software development consultancy, which I'm sure you know. That's the high level part of what we do. Right. Um, we're fully remote now. Okay, so fully remote. There's fully no... remote. Wow. So that big and fabulous office that they had pre-COVID is no longer there. Okay. All right, or is no longer tribal scale. So we have seventy-five people dotted around North America and now South America, which is absolutely mm. amazing. So we've a delivery team of in-house engineers, QA engineers, product managers, and product designers. So we're partnering with many different clients across many different industries to build their digital products, all right? Um, a lot of the stuff we're doing recently is a lot of digital transformations as well, which of course comes with the scene at the moment within tech that, you know, there's organizations out there, they might have adopted technologies a couple of years ago, but are they up to scratch right now? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. um, and they just don't have the engineering capabilities that we have. Um, so they partner with us, we'll do a complete digital transformation for them. And yeah, that's the secret sauce, but we won't give away too much of how we do it. <laughs> it's really interesting to hear that though, for me, the idea that like, you know, I mean like, look, I, I'm not that old that I remember punch cards, but like, <laughs> but the first wave or second, or, or we might be in the third wave of, di of digital transformation. Mm -hmm. if people are kind of updating tech from five, 10 years ago now. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I'm sure the cycle of this like, you know, upgrade path is going to only increase or hopefully become yeah, semi-automated. I don't know. Well, I think as well, like, you know, considering all this latest AI and right. chat GBT and all of AI interfering in every aspect of our lives and interfering. our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great. But um, that's what the, the market is right now. And that's what the industry is doing. So, you know, organizations need to make sure that they're getting themselves up to that level and adopting, you know. Right. Right. In order to be competitive from, you know, not getting into the people thing already, but, you know, from a HR department, yeah. you know, what I say to some of my, you know, my people in my network is that, you know, have you started looking into AI tools to help you and your team kind of stay ahead of the competition with talent acquisition alone? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a world of opportunities for each and every team in any organization to kind of take a look of how they're doing, take a look at the tools they're using and seeing if there's better tools out there to help them with their job, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think working with companies that are competent in, in that focus is essential. It's too difficult to constantly procure things. Mm -hmm. and people don't necessarily, organizations don't necessarily have the uh, means to 
approach tech procurement in this way. You can't hire a procurement team to replace tools or create tools that enable them to get notifications on the latest stuff. Yeah, I know. And so many different kind of like nuanced skews of software, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> completely. Um, so I'm sure you guys are finding great success in, you know, helping clients and finding clients to help. Yeah, we are. We've got a, one of the most recent projects that we're working on at the moment um, is a complete digital transformation with a manufacturing company. They're a frozen food manufacturer and uh, it's McCain, the frozen French fries. So sexy altogether. Um, but we're working with um, a company called Scale AI to digitally transform their manufacturing systems out wow. there and to use AI to you know, drive efficiencies with their manufacturing. So they're doing a pilot project out on their Florenceville plant. Mm -hmm. And if that goes well, they're just, McCain are going to, you know, roll it out globally. To, I think they have like 70 other manufacturing plants globally. So crazy. It just shows you even, you know, from a manufacturing perspective, how you can kind of drive efficiencies with the latest technology. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's incredible, really, when you start digging in and going down uh, the amount of opportunities for organizations to get some benefit and, and drive efficiencies for themselves. Well, especially in that, in like kind of mass manufacturing, uh, there's a lot of kind of data indicators that are not necessarily going into changing processes on the fly mm -hmm. historically. But now you could probably do that, you know, like yeah, the pre-fry on the French fries. Yeah. Like one second longer because there were extra rains this yeah, season. Yeah, let's go for a little bit more crispy. Who knows? Oh, I'm man. not sure. But yeah, it's really interesting to see what's going on there. So that's a snippet of what we're doing. Cool. And so your role at the company is? Yes. Yeah, so I am HR manager. Okay. So um, essentially my role is to be looking after the whole employee experience from hire to retire. So hopefully that person will stay with us from day one to mm -hmm. retire. But all I can do is influence that decision and make sure that what we're creating at Tribal Scale is some place that they want to do that. So And Tribal Scale being a uh, Tribal Tribal Scale. Why did I mess that up? <laughs> tribal scale. We'll forgive I forgive you. I haven't okay. seen, now that you're distributed, I haven't seen, you know, your founder's face and the, the logo in my face oh, very yeah. often. Tribal oh, scale yeah. used to, in the, in the tech scene in Toronto, you know, tribal scale was definitely um, present. And, and Sheetal Jaitley, of course, being a character who, who people know in the city. Yeah. Now, he, is he now living in Miami? He is. He's living and loving the sun down in Miami. So nice. um, that's where he's at at the moment. Yeah. Um, he's trying to grow our US presence down there as well. He's doing fantastic. He's meeting incredible people down there in Miami and just getting to network with new people and new groups of people, you know, and um, that definitely helps tribal scale and growing our brand down there. Mm -hmm. um, but he does come up often as well. He is actually speaking at the Fuck Up Nights next week. Oh, okay. He's the headliner act. So he's wow. not letting himself being forgotten about here in Toronto. <laughs> I don't think he ever will. Oh, um, nice. So that's incredible. So he's doing great things still. He's still obviously our CEO, you know, the main face of the organization. Right. And, you know, being that person that we can turn to when we need that support or need guidance or, you know, he is the CEO. So we're going to run across, you know, run most of our plans by him, obviously. But he's also someone that, you know, if you're having a challenge or you're just stuck on something within, you know, a project, you can give him a call say, hey, Sheetal, I'm stuck with the direction that we need to go here. This is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And you just end up in this amazing conversation and he gives his two cents on it and you come away knowing the direction you're going to take makes sense. It's interesting that you bring this up because this came up in a live uh, discussion panel that we had, fireside chat kind of thing, uh, last week uh, at our event studio that I was just telling you about oh, off yeah. air. Um, at our first ever gathering social, and we were talking about kind of like the changing nature of leadership in this new era of distributed work and of global identities. Um, and one of the key things that both of my interviewees, my guests on stage were saying is that leadership is now moving into a kind of away from that historical, you know, at least in office context, mm -hmm. top down kind of hierarchical power dynamic and more in instructional um, and more into this kind of cultural and the idea that, like, you know, Sheetal at your company is already playing this role of, you know, adding value into the working environment and the, the lives of, of the employees is cool. Because yeah. it, it sounds like it's the zeitgeist. <laughs> He's on the zeitgeist. <laughs> he knows what's on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I think 
that really is how I would describe the culture of Tribal Scale is having this caring philosophy and not just caring about the projects and the work that you're working on, but caring about each other, caring about caring about your colleagues enough that you will be there and provide insights and guidance, whether it's work related or they come to you for personal related stuff. Mm-hmm. We actually added caring as one of our values last year like to the it. organization because it really is what our culture is founded on. And I think it comes from the top down with Cheadle and how he portrays himself to the employees and what he encourages us to do with each other. He's like, listen, if you have a problem, don't suffer alone. We use Slack probably too much for our own good, to be <laughs> honest, but we do. We um, all do that, you know yeah. how it is. But he's like, if you have a question, post it in the public channel. Don't post it to someone on the side Mm. because I guarantee you there's someone else there who probably has the same question and there's nothing wrong with asking questions. It might be the most ridiculous question in the world and you're super embarrassed to put it in. But once it's not super personal, throw it in there. And everyone can learn. Like Everybody can. The day you think you can stop learning is the day that lie down, you know. (laughs) I remember first uh, touring the first tribal scale set up tribal scale office and at the time i think foreign tower was was kind of helping out a little oh, bit yeah? he's now at shopify yeah and uh you know he's kind of an og uh og engineering guru in the city oh yeah and um and the big thing was like even with the engineering methodology that tribal scale was doing it was pair programming from day one so mm-hmm. it was like two people solving problems together at every workstation yep which was really cool because it kind of like, yes, de-risked the work being too nuanced or whatever, but also they're learning from each other since day yeah. one. We're and, still doing that. Like okay. that's part of our DNA. And I think that's an amazing thing because the history there, is, at least with Sheetal, goes back to even the company before which Farhan was yeah. at. Yeah. So it's been many years of this culture. I'm sure it's deeply baked into the, the, the company at this point. It is. And what I always say, like going back to that learning aspect is, it's a mentor-mentee relationship from day one that's already established for the two engineers, you know? Um, you're paired with a more senior engineer. Sometimes you're on the same level. But even in that, you're coming away learning something because no two individuals are the same. Mm-hmm. And no two software developers will be exact in how they code, mm-hmm. you know? And then ultimately, from an organization standpoint, you're getting super high-quality code because you have two engineers working on the right. one device. So right. what you're getting is incredible. You yeah. know, two brains are better than one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most uh, of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the Let's talk about how you came into the organization because you said yeah. something about three years or that's just in Toronto. Correct. Okay. Yes. So give me the full lowdown. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the most straight path, to be honest, from where I started. Like, I don't want to go too far back, but I'll go back a little bit to paint the scene and paint the picture. I studied and I have an undergraduate in environmental science and health. So I was a bit of a dork, I'm not going to lie. I loved chemistry, absolutely died for biology and loved maths and I just had a flair for it. So, you know, in Ireland, I was doing my versions of high school exams. What do you guys call it? There's like in your final year, you do. Yeah, like A A levels. A levels, yeah. So I did the. Well, that's not what people do in Canada. That's that's what I did. Oh, that's what you did, yeah. But yeah, British British system. (laughs) Yeah, so you get it. I get it. Yeah, you did your A levels. So typically, for for our non English uh, or let's say, Jesus, it's not English. Non. How would you describe it? Let's say. For people whose lives are not, you know, affected by the monarchy. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Um. You know, A-levels would be typically three, maybe four subjects is what you study for the last two years of your high school. Yeah, well, not in Ireland. They like oh. to throw a bit of hard work on you because, you know, you're not doing enough until you're doing enough. So right. we've, we have to study seven. What, seven A-levels? Yeah. And the worst thing is for the exam, you can only pick your top six. So they think they're being fair because oh we're like, God. we're giving you an opportunity to like do well in at least six of them. And yeah. you have that one subject that might not be your biggest strength. So yeah, so like they prepare you for the hard world, you know, and uh, it's fine, but it's a lot on students, you know, like if people can't multitask and and manage like seven exams at once, at once. Yeah, who can do that? It's like rocks for breakfast and potatoes for dessert. Yeah, (laughs) it's absolutely insane. You go a bit lula towards the end of the exam, but it's all good. You get through it. So I went into this university degree of science thinking I was going to be, you know, saving the rainforest, solving global warming with my somewhat chemical analysis degree. Mm -hmm. 
well, I had the opportunity to do like our version of a co-op program okay, okay. in the third year of that course. I end up landing in the pharmaceutical company and oh. I absolutely, after the first day, be crying going home in the car. I was like, I just know this is not for me. Like it was a QA specialist role. So it was basically reviewing the pharmaceutical documents to make sure everything was of quality and adhering to all the policies that that manufacturing plant is needed and required to sell the product. Yeah. I just hated it. Like flat out. I just knew this wasn't for me. Right, I was like, right. I can't sit Wake at up a, call. Yeah, I can't sit at a desk and my only friend is a piece of paper and a checklist. Like it's not me. Yeah. And everyone was super baked into their cubicles and no one wanted to talk. And I found myself like going up to the different floors, chatting with the other teams that were a bit more like outgoing. There's a HR team in there. It's and like that show on uh, on Apple TV, Severance. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Yeah, you should watch that one. It's it's totally, it's kind of like a, a dark mockumentary about this whole corporate reality. You know? <laughs> Where it's like everyone's brain at work is switched off so that they can do their work and they literally well the premise of the show is yeah they they literally to work at this particular company yeah lumen enterprises or something sounds amazing they, right it's this dystopia they they literally go through a, pro a process called severance where you know your personal life and your work life are in your brain m like magically separated mm -hmm. so you have two identities you go to work you do your work when you go home you're a home person you don't even know what you did during the day that's scary. But it's kind of like this metaphor for, you know. The reality of yeah. corporate life. Corporate life. <laughs> Completely. So I knew that wasn't for me. And I said, listen, I am not one of these people that can give up on things. I'm going to get a degree, deal with it after, and let's just go with that scene. So I got the degree. And then I was like, you know what? I'm 21. I'm too young to make decisions right now. I'm just going to flee my decision making issues. So I went to San Diego, did like a work. I know from San Ireland. San Diego. Yeah. I thought I was going to find myself a surfer husband, you know, <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> so I went over there with a group of us. There were seven girls and um, had a great time for the summer. And we just graduated. We were like, you know what? Let's just live life. Got a job in Sunglass Hut. And I was loving <laughs> Sorry, it. Sorry, I have to laugh. <laughs> this is the premise of a yeah. great Netflix series, you know. Oh, you seven, don't know what happened. Seven Irish girls. <laughs> in San Diego. In San Diego yeah. working at a sunglass hut. <laughs> it was outrageous. Like, it was honestly outrageous. How I even... Because we were just living the life. We were in this faraway world. Like, San Diego to Ireland is, I think it was like a 13... 13, 14 hour flight. Yeah, so other we, side of the world. Yeah, too. and I was 21. I thought I knew everything. I absolutely didn't, do you know? Right. Um, but we went, I was in Sunglass Hut and I was just loving it. I was like thriving. I was meeting with people every day. I was selling them sunglasses. I thought it was amazing selling all these designer sunglasses and just having that kind of personal interaction. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, that makes me happy. I love working with people. I'm enjoying it. Then the manager at the time was like, we've got new hires starting. Can you train them? I was like, oh, absolutely. No problem. I'll do it every day. Just mm -hmm. call me. Mm -hmm. So then I went home and I was like, okay, I'm not going to a lab. I'm not going to a pharmaceutical company. It's not happening. And my mom was like, why don't you just have a look at what other opportunities out there? Because you're such a people person. Right. Why don't you just have a look to see what you can do? Mm -hmm. I was like, OK. So anyway, long story cut short, I got presented with an opportunity in a recruitment agency in Dublin. Oh. But for recruiting pharmaceutical um, employees. OK, so, so yeah, that's I was interesting. Kinda like, I didn't waste my degree. I'm still kind of having a bit of a correlation here. Yeah. So we went in there and I loved it. It was two and a half years. But the thing about recruitment agencies is, and I think it's a great place for a lot of people to start their career in because mm. it's very heavily sales focused as well. It is, right? Always. Yeah. yeah like you're getting pushed out your comfort zone. You're ringing companies at least 10 companies a day cold calling and you're forced to do it mm -hmm. you know you've KPIs for it so you got to do it somewhere and you're just like please don't put down the phone please just say hello pretend that you want this this call and like don't hang up on me because you're ring, ringing people's like office desk phone. and it's two sides isn't it it's typically from yeah. what I gather you're calling companies to, to say you know hire us to place candidates and yeah. you're calling candidates to say completely we've got an opportunity for you yeah. maybe you should apply for this yeah so if you have any way of like 
feeling you don't want to be rejected and you have any issues like that definitely don't recommend because you have to grow like a strong interior and exterior for that job but it's great training you know you're pushed out of your comfort zone so I did that and then I was like you know what like this is I've done this I've kind of I felt I've done a good job I got what I wanted out of it and I got I went internal with Ryanair you okay. probably know Ryanair of course yeah discount yeah. airline yeah. yeah very discount airline and um, massive big airline across Europe so I did internal talent acquisition in there okay. and I thrived I loved it I was like this is great I'm like recruiting for multiple different levels in that HQ and um, we had a fabulous HQ in mm. Dublin it was absolutely gorgeous really cool just that real funky style office and people were so nice full of energy and I did that for a year and I filled like a hundred heads within that year for HQ wow that's a lot of people a lot of jobs I'm not just you know toot my own horn here but I was like but I got bored and I just I'm so bad because I love the feeling that I can't do something because yeah, I and was it's a new challenge yeah, you, you like challenges love challenges really. love throwing myself into deep end so I just said hey the HR team they look like they're super stressed and super busy. I want to do that. They look like they're going through challenges every single day. So talent acquisition and HR were different? Very separate. Okay. Yeah, completely. And talent acquisition in Ryanair was always like, the happy people, we're giving you jobs. But HR in Ryanair, similar to what it actually is a tribal scale at the moment, is central to the operations, mm-hmm. right? It's actually quite funny because... A couple of years ago, HR was always this department that was in the corner. Go to them to drop off your payroll form or go to them to pick up your new contract or your letter that you need for leave, you know. But in Ryanair, everything went through the HR department. And that's what created this kind of level of challenge and level of people were kind of scared to go onto that team because it was so, so busy and like you had so much kind of ownership within that role in HR so for argument's sake and um, like me myself I was in charge of the Dublin base so Dublin airport pilots cabin crew and our Dublin HQ so that was 1200 employees that, a lot of people yeah that was like too many people for nearly to count do you right. know yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like little old me has to do all HR for all of these people that doesn't make sense they're like yep off you go so you get thrown in the deep end but honestly the best year of learning that I've ever had in my entire wow. life, you know. And what I always say is because it's like central to the operations, it's hard HR stuff you're doing, you know. That that pilot needs to turn up at that time with the cabin crew with that flight. So if they don't, <laughs> it's my fault, <laughs> you know. So yeah. it's like that hard HR stuff to make sure that policies are in place. If the policies aren't being adhered to, what's the situation sure. you know so it takes um, stra- stra- a lot of strategy a lot of strategy and a lot of kind of looking at data we actually had like bi tools back then in 2019 when it wasn't as you know fancy to have in ireland anyway BIR. what yeah. is that b b i so, uh, b i tools yeah so basically what's an uh, that's an acronym meaning what oh b i b i a pair b i do you know for data <laughs> what's the b and what's the i i couldn't tell you <laughs> Now it's some sort of cool tool. Okay, BI. That, there you go, BI. We'll look that one up. And um, that basically fed in data for when all of our air crew would turn to the turn up to the base to clock in for the, the airplane. So the minute they were one or two minutes late, you'd see that straight away mm. on this tool. So it's analyzing that and it was, it was pretty cool just how they use check there. Um, but that, of course, myself, I'm never happy and I want to just keep pushing myself and I was presented with an opportunity within Ryanair again to um, relocate to Vienna to head up their HR department there. Wow. Was, yeah, we acquired Lauda Motion. You probably know Nicky Lauda, the F1 racer. Um, oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So we acquired his airline. So I didn't even know he had an airline. Yeah, Lauda Motion. And, uh, People I, would be scared to go on the <laughs> airline. Huh? Well, F1 racer's I know, airline yeah. I wonder will get you, you there faster. <laughs> You know what? Ryanair probably use that now. Part of their tagline is super cringy, but um, I must have a look at that. Actually, I don't know if they they That's have funny. used that. We crash once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> but the prices are cheap. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get you there faster. Um, and uh, I was at that stage. My boyfriend and I. I was like, you know what? I need to do something scary. You know, I've been here for another year. I'm two years here at Ryanair. Yes, this opportunity is here for me to relocate to Vienna, but I just have this desire to work, leave my job, go to another country, mm-hmm. 
set up my career there again and see how it goes. So to mm. work and travel and just meet new people, experience new things and see how it goes. So that's what we did. And here I am since I have worked in, I had to step back. That's the thing. Like when you move country, there's an element that people don't really talk about, to be honest. And it's, I'm very ambitious and that's my problem, as I said, of this burning desire in me that I I just want to be the best at everything I do. And Mm -hmm. that sounds so barbaric, but I can't help it. And when I came here, I had to take a step back and leave that successful HR role I was doing in Ryanair and go back internal talent acquisition because, you know, you have to reestablish yourself. You have to gain trust. You have to prove yourself in a whole new country with people you don't know. Right. You know, right. so I you had to kind of face that facts and, and do that. And I was willing to do it because I knew I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, I went back internal uh, for recruitment and talent acquisition. And to be honest, I did it and I got bored again because I was like, this is why I left this. I went into HR for a new talent and here I am again. And I'm like, I'm feeling bored. Let's go back into that HR world. So the opportunity with Tribal Scale come up and I said, mm-hmm. I'm going to go for it. I said, yes, it's a HR manager role. You know, it's going to be my first true heavy HR role in Canada. But I've gone off and I've done the employment law course. I know the laws of Canada, so that's definitely not a rebuttal anyone can give me. Yeah. And I'm going to get this. And since then, I've been absolutely loving it. And I think it's just given me so many opportunities. I've been thrown in the deep end. I've been rebuilding our whole HR house since I've started. But when I look back now, I'm like, wow, I've done a pretty good job, you know? And that's not being cocky saying that. No, but I'm the just... pride is important because yeah. that balances that challenge question. Yeah. You're, you're obviously uh, happy with how the challenge, how you're rising to the challenge. Yeah, I think so. I just, as I said, I'm ultra competitive with myself. So I just feel like if I'm not feeling challenged, I'm not doing something good, you know? <laughs> So yeah, that's where I am today. So And so how long has it been that you've been with Tribal Scale for? So two years in May. Okay. So it's absolutely flown by. You know, it's it's been a challenge because of the COVID situation. Of course, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So what they've done, I suppose, the office was gone and from I was there just after the office was obviously you know, completely a distant memory. So and at sorry, at that time, how many people were what was the employee base and, and was it mainly in Toronto? At that time? Yeah, at that time, the majority of people were okay. in Toronto, and um, but they had started to open up locations where they can recruit from, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's the thing being fully remote is that you're opening yourself up to changing your recruitment strategy and you're opening up to a more diverse talent pool because you can now hire people who live in Ottawa, as opposed to when you had the office downtown King Street. People in Ottawa aren't going to commute every right. morning to that office. So it's really opening up this really wild, wide talent pool for you to get really cool, amazing people. Yeah, you know? that's exciting. It's great. I think it's fantastic. Um, so since I've been there, um, I think what really the challenge of Tribal Scale was for its people was coming from this amazing office where, you know, there's breakfast in the morning, there's snacks throughout the day, you know, you've drinks on Friday to we're fully remote and it's you at your laptop and you're talking to all these little squares mm-hmm. who are accordingly your colleagues, right? So I think there was morale issues naturally like every other organisation. Every organisation. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where even the role of HR has changed for a lot of people working in HR, well, most people, because organisations then turn to HR and said, hey, how do we fix this? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we make everyone feel normal again? So many responsibilities passed down onto HR. Completely. Yeah. And I think that's where the role of HR has really evolved to is kind of having to have the answers to retention issues, mm. engagement, career paths. Then there's the whole, you know, industry compensation market rates, right? Like that's the whole thing as well, mm-hmm. specifically to tech. I think you probably have witnessed that yourself in, in conversations with people. Definitely something that we, it's a hot topic on the podcast for sure. A number of people, internal recruiters, external, um, so many people are talking about, we've heard we've heard from a recruiter that said uh, American companies, of course, with buying yeah. power are poaching people in Canadian positions. Uh, also with, remote and flex there's a whole competitive angle there too where Mm -hmm. you know people are looking at you know higher comp uh, maybe even payment bonuses apparently 
we heard that like Canadians are more likely Canadian engineers are more likely to take cash up front as an incentive than a higher salary yeah I've seen that I get asked that a lot and there's a whole big question around why that is I don't know but you know maybe and this is this is an unfortunate thing you know it depends on like tenure or expected tenure that people are willing to kind of commit Mm -hmm. to for their job and this is another issue that people have been reporting is churn um expected churn moving in the last few years from you know, a career outlook for a position to, uh, you know, candidates considering a position as maybe five years. That was up until three years ago. And now apparently it's six months. Mm -hmm. And a lot of external recruiters are managing just within the window of earning their fee to turn over, you know, these, uh, these employees. And part of it is people looking for constant challenge, but also part of it is that, yeah, it's, it's a very active market for talent. Mm -hmm. And with a market opening up globally um, there's so many things that employees are looking for for their lifestyle that now jobs can afford them yeah they like can. you want to move to manila cool there's a company <laughs> that could hire you, you yeah want to learn how to speak spanish go to spain for yeah. a year join this other company it's really interesting it's it's so interesting but it's even like how we've had to pivot not that we had to, we wanted to, with even our benefit packages and perks, right? So that's something else that's kind of topical and, and, you know, on trend at the moment. So what does that look like for you guys? So like only in September, we completely brought in a new benefit partner and we want to, first of all, we wanted for the medical and the insurance, that that package, we wanted to make sure that they're having a good digital experience, Mm -hmm. our employees while using their benefits, all right? It's a big problem because, yeah, most of these companies are legacy in terms of their yeah. their software stack. you got to file some, fill out a PDF that you download and fax it to some place. Yeah, and, and then oh. go buy an envelope and the stamp and post it off. Like, most people don't know how to do that these days, you know? <laughs> go buy an envelope because nobody has no, those. No, What, what paper, huh? <laughs> Find your local post office. People are like, what? <laughs> Um, so we've done that and it's been great. We've implemented like this flexible spending account as well and um, for full-time employees. So they get a budget each year, you know, they can spend it on their home office if they want to. They can spend it on, you know, daycare. They can spend it on cosmetic stuff. It really is flexible to their needs. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice little perk. But my favourite one, to be honest, and I think it really speaks to the world that we are living in right now, is we partner with Vetster. Are you familiar with Vetster? Vetster? Vetster, yeah. No. It's quite an interesting name. So it is a platform that offers virtual vet appointments to employees or to anyone who wants to use it. Now, I, don't, I really don't understand what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so have you ever gone to a virtual doctor? Uh, like taking a, a video call yeah. consult? with your doctor? I haven't. In fact, I got mad with my doctor <laughs> when he made me do a, a telephone consult during the pandemic. Oh, then you're definitely not going to be the consumer for this No, one. no, no. But yeah, I know my wife is a doctor. She's a GP. Oh, okay. And so she's definitely seen all flavors of the video conferencing world, you know, being sold into the, the healthcare industry. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm familiar with what so you're you know talking about. So you know what road I'm going in. But with in. dogs and animals and really. Yeah, so I wasn't convinced at the start when I had kind of the intro call for a demo. I was like, well, my dog, I have this beautiful cream chow chow that I'm absolutely obsessed with. And anyone who knows me in Toronto will see me with her. All okay. right. I was like, listen, I love her and I give her a lot of confidence, but she can't talk. So how is this working from a virtual video aspect? And they said, no, listen, 90% of the issues you have with your dog, we can solve you will not have to go to an in-person appointment after. Okay. I said, okay, let me try it out. And they're like, okay, we're going to give you a free vet appointment. When you need it, use us and then test it out yourself and see what you think. Mm. I said, okay, no problem. Long behold, she obviously uh, sprained her leg. I was like, they're not going to be able to solve this. There's no way I'm going to need an x-ray. Problem solved. This is the medication you need. This is like a gel you need. You do not need to go get an x-ray. It's just a sprain. If it gets worse, come back to us and we can reassess through the video. Like I had my laptop and I had the dog literally walking by yeah. with the camera so the vet could see it through right, the camera. Right, right. 
and it's incredible. That's cool. So really the one thing about that we implemented for employees, so they all get four vet visits every year through us. Mm -hmm. And um, number one, it saves them having to take time away from work, go to the vet. And I don't know if you have pets, but it's, no. Well, it's extremely difficult to get a vet appointment downtown That's Toronto. That's why I don't have pets. Yeah, you'll save yourself <laughs> a fortune. <laughs> it's Spend your money on it's you. Timely, yeah. Oh, it's so expensive. Yeah. So it's, you know, saving fees for employees, but also that element that some people don't have kids and can't have kids and their families is a furry friend sure, and that's sure. their fur baby all right so it allows us to be more inclusive our employees as well and just offering this kind of innovative be- benefit package that caters to everybody so. so let's let's talk about that on meta your take on benefits sounds like it's getting into that territory of of and i've heard this from a few people uh in the hr world is Benefits are an opportunity to offer value to employees that they wouldn't otherwise choose for themselves, leave aside the cost. Mm -hmm. So even if they could pay for it, they might not necessarily look at like value adds to their lifestyle. Yeah. And that's an opportunity for HR to kind of like give value to the outside of work experience or the pervasive, you know, lifestyle experience of the employee. Absolutely. And I think as well, it's, showing that you're supporting your employees outside of work, you know? And yes, of course, is everyone going to go and sign up for a membership for a virtual flesh? No, because that's typically something that people will buy as an as-need basis. You go to the vet when there's a problem with the dog. Yeah, Like an evident problem with the dog, you know? And that's that's where we kind of are at with it. And it's just like, we want to support them in their needs Mm -hmm. and what they need in their life outside of tribal scale, you know? And just kind of creating that caring aspect again and bringing it back to that to say, hey, yes, it's work, but we care about you. You know, we want to try and do as much as we can. We also brought in a new perk. It's actually a new Toronto-based startup. It's called Kicks Care. So it's a registered nurse practitioner. Um, Again, in a virtual um, environment through virtual video conferencing that our parents at Tribal Scale have access to 24-7. So, you know, I know I don't have children myself, but I hear that the children hospitals at the moment and getting appointments is hectic and Mm -hmm. it's a total mess. So, you know, if you're having issues, your child, you have a new child, a new newborn baby and they're having a rash or you don't know what to do. And maybe, you know, they're they're like myself, their families are back in Ireland or they're back in, you know, England, Scotland, Wales, wherever it may be. And they don't have their mom or parents to guide them for these little issues that mm-hmm. might not be a big issue. They can log on here and with 24-7 support from, again, medical. And again, know, that's just global. This is like for any employee, all of these things. Yeah, right now it's Canadian okay. because this kicks care parent perk is just based in Canada at the moment. Okay, but okay. the Vetster is North American. Yeah, okay. across for the US as well. So it's just given that extra level of support and right. seeing, okay, what is the demographics of our employees and what do they need and how can we pivot our benefit package to meet those needs, mm-hmm. you know? And how, I mean, let's talk about this also, this idea of your workforce being in multiple countries mm-hmm. and seeing over the last two years, the kind of various different uh, contexts of your employees, wherever they are, emerge at different ways from you know, the pandemic, from Mm -hmm. at least controls that the pandemic had on populations. Um, What have you seen in terms of how your team has communicated lifestyle evolution over the last couple of years, being in different territories? Like I'm sure that people in Toronto with a lockdown just as recent as the beginning of last year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We're having a very different experience of life and how they could work and things uh, than the people who were in let's call it Bogota. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Um, I think really with us, when I reflect back on it, we, I think we do the remote work thing pretty well, right? Because we have a very open culture, right? And we, we promote open communication and we promote people to open up their lives, their personal lives, like to our tribe members okay Mm. like that's what we call each other so it's a very close-knit group of people there's 75 but we're super close-knit right that's awesome um and one thing that i kind of forget is that our engineers in south america sometimes when i'm chatting to them i forget they're in south america Mm. and they're not just next door because that's the type of relationship building that we've done which is incredible right but in terms of like 
you know, showcasing the different lifestyles that they would have had during COVID. I think because we have a group of really smart people that when someone say in Brazil was posting that they're on the beach and we were all tucked up in <laughs> igloos here in Toronto, nobody really kind of, that was okay. That, yeah, yeah. You know, it just was it was it was an anecdote. It was yeah. like able to be talked. It was nearly like we were laughing, and because that's the type of people that work for us is that you know they we all just gel together. They're incredible. They're super just you know very deep with people. Want to connect. Want that personal element. So I think there is no weirdness about that, and sure. there wasn't like sure. a. I'm sure someone was like punching the screen when they saw the sun in the beach, but you know ultimately we were kind of just. We're happy for you. That's amazing. But we're still in igloos. So from an HR perspective, how do you uh, enable and promote this, uh, not only transparency and openness amongst the people, but the kind of means of communication? Yeah. So are, is it a tools thing? Is it software tools that you guys use? Yeah, we um, use a, we love a good tool. I'm not going to lie. Heather, our chief of staff and myself, we work extremely close together. And anytime we see a new intro for a demo for a new tool, we, you know, our antennas go up and we're getting buzzed. But um, everyone's like, guys, tool fatigue is a thing. So let's just chill out for a second. But we do use some really great tools at Tribal Scale for that. Um, obviously Slack, like we all know Slack. It started, I remember first seeing someone else other than myself using Slack. And it was Sheetal in his office at Tribal. Yeah, going back, I don't know, the beginning of Slack, like years and years ago. And he was over the moon one week for this one feature. He was like, check this out. If I type this command, it was like forward slash, give me a hard drive. <laughs> Someone would come from the storage room and bring him a hard drive. And he was like, what do you want? That. Do you want anything? Yeah. I'll get you something. <laughs> Whatever. You want a beer? Yeah. I'll get a beer. <laughs> It was really funny. So yeah, automation and tools and Slack have been at the beginning of the company's culture. But, oh um, yeah. But Slack, so what, what Slack, else are you guys using? Um, but even within Slack, like we have a ton of like super cringy Slack channels that we all are love and obsessive over, you know, like every week there's a new one, there's tribe travel, there's, you know, tribal dogs, social cats, you name it. Um, but we also use, um, we've actually recently adopted, we're, we're trialing this new tool called Hua. I always try and make sure I say it right. Mm. So like, you know, hua. Hua. <laughs> yeah, you say it better than me. Hua. More dramatic. I don't even know. <laughs> That's actually okay. really. So a guy who founded that company, Alex Dakich, he used to work um, in, within product at Tribal Scales. So we're trialing it out and testing it. So what it is, it is a meeting sentiment capturing tool. All right. So like every remote organization, it's like a common team. Everyone's Zoom fatigue. Everyone has, you know, a thousand meetings in their calendar that they don't need to be at right, and right. they don't need to be talking at. And it's totally inefficient. It doesn't make sense. But this tool is integrated into Slack. And after you attend a meeting, simple question, did you attend a meeting? Yes. Was this worth its time? Yes. Did it meet its objectives? Yes or no. And then that data is all captured from all the attendees and it's feeding into a dashboard to measure the sentiment of, you know, on average of the meetings you're hosting okay. and the meetings you're attending. So that's really empowering employees to say, hey, listen, look at your dashboard. Right. What are you rating these meetings on average? Are you enjoying them? Do you need to be there? And are they a good use of your time? You mm -hmm. know, so... That's another tool that we use and it's been going really, really well. And the good thing about that is you can actually incorporate your company goals for the year into the back end of it. So if I was creating a meeting for me and you, I could say, okay, the fun the purpose of this meeting is to discuss X and that's feeding into our goal of growing and retaining our tribe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the end of the quarter, I can see, okay, I've spent X amount of hours working towards that goal. Have I achieved anything? Yeah, or that's great. am I just going into a meeting and talking absolute Barney? You know? <laughs> Which sometimes that can happen. That's okay. So um it's really, really interesting and empowers people to say, Hey, listen, I don't need to be at that meeting. Yeah. And then the other side of it to the organization, that costs money having of course. eight people that wasting don't, time. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. The other tools that we use are um, Donut. That's an integration through Slack as well. Um, every Thursday from 4 to 4.15, you get randomly bundled into a group chat for 15 minutes on Zoom um, using this Donut integration where we encourage everyone to talk about everything and anything other than work. So it's show and tell. 
Yeah, show and tell. And you know what's incredible? It has naturally taken off since last year. And after those 15 minutes you chat with people, everyone posts a selfie. It's so cute. If I could show you them, like, it's honestly so nice. Everyone's messing around with Zoom backgrounds, putting, like, fancy dress on. It's actually hilarious, to be honest. And they post in the channel. And what has happened naturally is people would say, oh, hey, Nicola and Julia met today or Nicola, Julia, Mark and Sam met today. We talked about our holiday last year. I found out that Sam really loves Chinese food. And on Saturday, he's going there with his girlfriend for her birthday. So people started sharing what they learned about each other. And I think they're the type of things with employee connection that naturally drive relationships between each other. And as I said, the people in South America, the people dotted across the US, we are all super close. We all know stuff about each other from simple things like that and using mm. tools to build those connections. You know? Yeah, well, the tool is like a social prompt. It's not necessarily something more architected Absolutely. or involving. Yeah, yeah. It's keeping the human element to it, you know? Yeah. And then outside of software, I mean, do you guys have, you said you were in Atlanta. Yes. So through the year, does Travel Scale do any programming or specifically what programming does it do to bring people together IRL? Yes. Um, so I suppose in terms of that, we've had like some social in-person events downtown. Um, you know, we'd make sure there's like a leadership meeting, there's team meetings happening over a number, a couple of days to make it useful for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd have like social evening gatherings. The last one we did, we went to, you know, is a spin, the ping pong place. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing time. So we had people from the US there. We had people from Vancouver. Oh, that's cool. Oh, so people flew in to yeah, like play ping pong. Yeah, we flew them in. Yeah, um, literally <laughs> to have a challenge with each other and who was going to win, you know. Um, that is awesome. It was incredible. That's, that's what we're hearing for the the potential of offsites. I mean, we, we yeah. do it here on Startwell, at Startwell, where it's not just about the all-day session. It's no. the all-day session, but like breakaways. And so a lot of teams yeah. will be, they'll look space for like three, four days mm-hmm. or a whole week. They have their agenda and they maybe have a facilitator leading this to guide them, make sure that they're doing, you know, covering what they need to. Um, But then they'll take a morning off or they'll take an afternoon off or they'll leave for dinner early Mm -hmm. so they can do all these cool activities around the city. And then it's a memorable week. you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like in the summer, um, our director of engineering led a manager event and people flew in for that as well. The managers brought us to the Blue Jays game. Oh, nice. Um, We also, he gave us a walking tour of Toronto with his own fun facts. It was actually hilarious. That's cool. You know, so it's just making sure that you know, you're doing normal in-person things and people come and it's funny because the people that, you know, you meet online or you've built this relationship through a remote setting online, when you meet them in person, I feel I know them years, Right. you know, and they probably don't get a second to get a word in with me, but that's the reality. And Sheetal as well has been amazing. So with our, our South American engineers, he has supported the immigration process for a number of them. So we've had one of our engineers in, um, he's from Sao Paulo, and he literally, we supported him with his visa application for him and his wife and a dog to move to Toronto. Oh, so cool. he only arrived last week. So um, when I met him, like literally the day after, I was like, Ramon, I know you, yeah. literally years. And yeah. it feels, he's like, it's amazing I'm here. I cannot believe it. But he's super pumped to be with everyone who lives in the GTA. Sure, and sure. Because he already came with friends. Like, yeah. Like, they're work friends. That's why I was like, you're so lucky. I came over here with just my boyfriend. <laughs> I had to go knocking around people's doors to come out with me. <laughs> so it's great. You know, nice. that's the culture. It's very supportive. And people are just friends, you know. So let's, uh, as a kind of fun end note, I think that's an interesting thing. Your take on, on, on kind of this idea of team culture. Yeah. And, and and some salient aspects of team culture that you would call out, things that you think contribute to a, a healthy, a positive culture of, of teams. Yeah. Um, I think one thing I feel very strongly about, and I, I don't know if it's just me, you know, identifying it with myself and my team and the team I lead at Tribal Scale is what kind of leader you are is where it starts, right? Because your team are going to look up to you and that's where culture is cultivated as well. Um, so I would brand myself as radically transparent in a good way, but it's got me into a lot of trouble, but for most of the case, the good way, but also being empathetic and understanding that, you know, your team are your people and they're here to learn. They want to they wanna learn. They want to do cool, good work. Mm-hmm. And they also want to have fun. Right, so right. having that element of, 
personable, being empathetic, you know, when something goes on in their personal life, understand that they're not going to reply to your Slack message every second, right? Give them time to breathe. Right. Maybe tell them to take the evening off. You know, having that empathy and being really transparent on the other side of it and what you expect. Because that's what grows the trust, right? And I think that's where it's kind of got me today is being really honest and frank with people in a nice way, you right. know, and not being harsh. But I always try and encourage the managers to give honest feedback, be transparent with your direct reports, but have that fun element. And I think that's really what Tribal Scale is about and showing that you care, show that we're here to do good work. Mm-hmm. We're a group of passionate, smart people. We're hungry. Everyone here is hungry. I know it by them. They're all developing their own apps out of fun. Yeah. You know, that's passionate people and what they do. Right. But bringing that to what they do in their work for tribal scale too. And just having fun while doing really good stuff. You know, I think that's how I'd sum it up. Hopefully that made sense. That's brilliant. I think it's something that people forget about. And it's something that is also very difficult to encourage when everyone is separate and living yeah. their lives in, you know, their workstation in their in their house. Yeah. So it's boring being by yourself at home, you know, <laughs> someone just call me in Slack and give me a hilarious story because I want to know all the details. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's great. And just like celebrate we publicly celebrate kudos and um, give public recognition. It's part of the DNA of what we do. But on the flip side, in our stand ups, we share fail fast and we're encouraged to do that. I'm sure she has spoken to you on the fail fast mentality and um, the tribal skill has that it's OK to fail, mm-hmm. you know, fail, share with everyone. Someone else will learn from it. To the point that he's going to uh, on stage at an event called yeah. Fuck Up Nights. <laughs> Literally, that's the foundation of it, you know. Yeah. So um, it's a really nice culture. It's a very, it creates a very safe place for people to admit, OK, last week, you know, I sent the wrong spreadsheet to a, to a client. It was an absolute mess, but this is how <laughs> I sorted it out, you know. Now we have two clients. Yeah. <laughs> We brought in five more million. They were competitors, but now they're working together. (laughs) Yeah, so that really sums it up. It's just a great place to work. And I know I'm paid to say that, but I genuinely really, really do love working there. And I love the people I'm working with. Brilliant. Well, it's been fantastic hearing your story, how you came into this whole world of HR. Yeah. It's so nice to hear. Even like every time I hear this, almost every person who tells me their story of how they got into HR, it was their people person. Yeah. <laughs> Context led them to this profession. Mm-hmm. And it's been a journey of discovery the whole way, but fulfilling because they get to help other people. And I think ending with this note of promoting fun as part of work is really cool because, you know, I, it's something that people, I think, in administrative work and, and especially in engineering, mm-hmm. uh, you know, forget about because there are deadlines and this, everything's task based and functional. Um, that creating a space for people to have fun, especially on a remote team, is a, is an interesting challenge. Yeah. But you've risen to that, and that was really I enjoyed listening to that. Well, thank you very much. Enjoy yeah. the conversation. Thanks for coming into the studio. Cheers. Thank you. All right. <laughs>